Well, hey there, everybody. You're listening to Ed Knowledge with Mike Verizer. On today's episode, I go on a deep dive into the world of games and game-based learning in classrooms with Mark Sonneman. Mark is an elementary principal with the Algonquin and Lakeshore Catholic District School Board in Ontario. He and I also have something in common. We're both lifelong fans of board gaming. I know. Cool, right? Honestly, I learned so much from getting to talk to Mark about how he uses board games and game-based learning in his classrooms and schools, not the least of which was how I shouldn't be conflating gamification with games. I think you'll enjoy this episode. I'm Mike Verizer, and this is Ed Knowledged. All right, uh, I'm here with Mark Sonneman. Mark, how are you doing today? Great. I'm excited to be here talking to you. Yeah, I, I'm... Uh... I'm really excited to talk to you, and, and I'll tell you, I was saving this. The reason specifically I knew I wanted to talk to you and the reason uh, for the topic uh, that we'll get into in a sec, I remember coming into your school and, and having the little tour and the, and the walkabout and touch base with some teachers, and I come up into your learning commons uh, in behind your library, and I walk in, and there's a few kids and you, and you have like a 37-pound game box with Gloomhaven, uh, out and displayed and you're talking about your character and you yeah I gotta I gotta make sure I talk to this guy uh, at some point so um, before we before we get into everything I was wondering like could you just sort of contextualize this for the listener or listener like who uh, listeners who who am I talking to who who is Mark what, what's led you to this point well I'm uh, right now I'm an elementary school administrator so I, I uh, work in a k-8 school uh, I've always worked in K-8 schools. Um, my background is, I didn't grow up in this area. I grew up in Kitchener, Ontario. And um, I think I've always been uh, drawn to games. I remember um, um, from my earliest days, I remember like uh, hiding under those little turtle pools that you had, uh, kind of playing uh, the game of life, payday, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, gaming was part of kind of who I was yeah. in a lot of ways, whether it was sports or board games or whatever. Um, I uh, I discovered uh, Dungeons and Dragons in grade seven, and that awesome. was a that was a big moment for me. <laughs> a formative, a formative moment. It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, in in high school and university, I moved away from that stuff because it wasn't cool at the time. Right. And I moved on to um, uh, to other things. I went to university at uh, Trent. Um, I was kind of a small town kind of person. Yeah. Um, and then I did a master's at Waterloo in English literature. I dreamed that I was going to be an English professor someday. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out how, how much English professors make. Yeah. And then um, I thought twice about it. So uh, <laughs> called an audible. Readjusted. Yeah. So I met my wife, uh, now wife Tammy, at uh, at Trent, and we uh, I moved to Kingston to be uh, here with her. And after about four years of uh, bartending, she told me that I need to do something that was commensurate with my skill level. and, and English uh, prof, bartender, yes. it's, yeah. anything on the table at that so, point. Yeah. Funnily enough, the two choices at that time were teacher's college or prison college. Oh. And I applied to both. Okay. Um, and I got into prison college. Logically. And, and yeah. I thought, okay, well, this is what I need to do because um, at this point... Um, we were married. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were hoping to have kids. It was a uh, you know, the future was waiting. I needed to go, get going. Yeah. And I had a a friend who I I played recreational sports with, and he said, "You need to really reconsider this because it's not uh, it's not a profession that you want to enter lightly." So, <laughs> so two weeks after that, I got my acceptance to Nipissing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and because of that advice, I went to teacher's college and really never looked back. I, I, I love learning. I've always loved learning. Maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but I still see myself as a learner. And, mm-hmm. I, and as you were mentioning, talking about gaming, um, that's the first thing I thought of was that I almost feel like like life and like teaching is, is like being a character in a D&D game. Yeah, right. Is that I don't see the... I, like I don't create a dialectic between teaching and learning or teachers and students what I see is that we're all learners and we're at different levels right so I may be like a level 20 paladin yeah right and I might be working with Room a level grow. one yeah right. I, I'm glad that you said level 20 and not, uh, <laughs> not well capping out or that's <laughs> the highest character I've ever had so I can't pass that but you know like that's that's how I see it and, and I and I but I also see that the the value in that level one character that kindergarten student what does this actually look like like they have a lot to teach me and they have a lot of skills that 
that are important to mm-hmm. me and can for me the topic is out of wonder and curiosity really yeah because yeah. yeah. gamification so today I spent two hours with something them right that's a uh, I, like, I love that so yeah, that's a lot of negative connotations mm-hmm. so that's it eh? that's well, gamification that's um, kind of how we got here I mean every day I go to school and I feel like learning but they're essentially an office they're not critical or even really art learning they're and people ask me questions so if you think of something like ultimately like by the way there are good elements to that so lots of teachers use a program that's called Classcraft. Yeah. So that allows you to create like badges and other kinds of awards, leveling up, um, and it's usually used as uh, essentially a monitoring piece for kids. Like uh, an extrinsic class dojo is another extrinsic example. motivator. Yeah. So you know you you've demonstrated to me that you are um, playing nice with your friends. Mm-hmm. So I give you fifteen experience points. Mm-hmm. Now the downside of that for me is that. Um, you also take away things, hit right. points and experience if they're doing things that you don't like. Mm-hmm. So for me, essentially gamification is mostly a compliance tool, mm-hmm. which doesn't fit in with my practice. Right. But um, I know there are people that use it, use it effectively and are happy with it. Yeah. Um, I also worry about certain elements of gamification because they tend to feed into those elements of technology that kids already struggle with in terms of addiction anyways. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if you mm-hmm. have to do X number of things uh, to get, you know, this badge, yeah, you know, like, or check your phone so many, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's very much like um, it feeds into those elements that um, telephones in particular use for kids to get them to keep looking at their phone. Right. And I don't necessarily want kids to be doing that, and I don't necessarily care whether gamers do that. So mm-hmm. for me, gamification really isn't, uh, where I'm at. Yeah. So there's game-based learning. So that so that's a very important point to discern then, or to distinguish between. I agree. Which yeah. is is uh, enlightening for me. So sorry, I, I interrupted game-based learning. No. So well, if you look, if you if you look at uh, just do some Google searches about gamification, right? You'll see that from 2010 or so mm-hmm. till about 2016, it was all the rage. Right. Like gamification was going to change education. It was mm-hmm. going to. It was the silver bullet, right? Mm-hmm. And how many times have we heard that? It was a couple, going to, a couple so far. It was going to fix right yeah. everything, <laughs> but the problem was, is is that you know, the argument was based on the fact that kids play games more than anything else. So if you can make everything like a game, then it will essentially address all of the other challenges that you face in the classroom: right. engagement, mm-hmm. um, attention, behavior, um, and it really wasn't true. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what what we see now is that people will say that the silver bullet is now TikTok and social media, right? So <laughs> if you can find ways to do that in your classroom, then you're going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, games are another tool. Yeah. And for me, tools are important if they fit your practice and they're authentic to you. Because mm-hmm. um, I think the best teachers are authentic teachers. This is this is a great misnomer for me to uh, address personally right now because I would have probably conflated gamification and game-based learning so if if we are talking about two separate things it's important to distinguish like this is this maybe has a little bit more of that extrinsic motivating uh, perhaps deficit model reinforcing uh, element to it whereas I would have previously seen gamification as hey we're leveraging games uh, as a as a big yeah. part of this so it's it's important to distinguish so I appreciate I appreciate that um, and that's in fact uh, what we want to talk about today I, I'm I'm glad uh, that we're able to adjust terms there so so game based learning it, what does this look like then well so the kind of the best example I can imagine to talk about mm-hmm. is a there's a place uh, that doesn't exist anymore okay that's called the Institute of Play. Okay. It was a school that was based around the, the entire pedagogy mm-hmm. of the school was based around games, uh, and it was funded by the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Okay. Back in two thousand ten, I think they gave them like, gosh, like ten ten million dollars. A sum of money, like yeah, a large <laughs> amount of money to to set this this school up and this this project because they believed this was the way of the future. Right. And this school was amazing if you like games. Mm-hmm. Because what they did was they 
the learning itself was integrated into the um, into this idea of a game. So uh, what they would do is they would do missions and quests, right? And it would build up to something that they called boss level, right? And at boss level, they had to apply all of the stuff yeah. that they had mastered or learned in their quests and mm -hmm. missions to solve some big hairy problem, right? Like super cool, it was like with very little instruction, right? They had to like apply and work together, collaborate, all these things. Mm -hmm. So this school, uh, I think it stopped in 2018. But if you go to the Institute of Play online, mm -hmm. they still have examples of their curriculum and show you how to build a curriculum like that. Right. And also give you examples of, I think, uh, from grades six to eight or six to ten. Sorry, six to ten about like examples of what they did mm -hmm. in certain subject areas. So you can see what that looks like. So essentially, Institute of Play is game-based learning in that gaming is the pedagogy. Big difference, right? It's not that you're incorporating elements of games into learning as kind of a motivator. Mm -hmm. It's that games are the pedagogy. Are the heart of the pedagogy. Right? Yeah. yeah. And how you approach it is through games. Not always. I mean, there's still lessons and, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of like uh, the like play-based learning, right? Mm -hmm. At, when it first came in, everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're unleashing all these three, four, five-year-olds and what are they learning, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's no structure. It's crazy, right? It's chaos. Well, there is some of that, right. but there is a structure in play-based learning. There is pedagogy in play-based learning. And, and so often, I have this piece of dialogue with with colleagues all the time I feel like our our field is so reactive and so overreactive often and and there's a there are many pendulums always swinging and I feel like depending on the year and depending on where you catch the field we're we're swinging right of center or left of center or always always uh, always I don't want to say always too far but we're we're maybe Getting away from the idea that that balance is is okay in, in any anything in moderation uh, should be should be welcome or should be at least considered in our classrooms, right? Well, I mean, yes and no, but I want to like I, I guess I always want to kind of uh, leave it open to the individual on that. Yeah. Like if if for you, games are the most authentic way that you can approach your pedagogy, mm -hmm. then having a, a, a class that is based on game theory, systems theory, um, design theory, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and in fact, that's going to be the most effective for your students. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're thinking like, I'm going to absorb some game stuff because it is... It sounds it's, fun. Yes. It sounds, it's the sounds flavor cool. of the week. Yeah. You're going to struggle, yeah. right? Unless it's unless it's part of who you are. Right. And I was, I was going to ask you it seems to have laid itself out. I was going to ask you what sort of led you to this thinking, but it, obviously it's reflective of who you are. You, you've talked about all these formative experiences that have led you, even though maybe you would have gotten away from things uh, because it's not necessarily on vogue. It, uh, it, it makes sense that this is reflective of your practice because this is just who you are. and that's That seems to be paramount. Authenticity is, is a, um, a key tenet of anyone's success in that classroom, right? So... I well hold on we gotta we still gotta talk because that's not the only way right there's game based learning which is pedagogy okay yeah but there's also games yeah <laughs> and games are important right yeah yeah, like, yeah because yeah. games are how kids learn right. early on they're they are how they have fun they're how they connect to others they learn social norms mm -hmm. like so like games are like like critical to development and games are critical to learning mm -hmm. so like. Just using games themselves is also an incredibly valuable, uh, like teaching, um, like not pedagogy, but, but teaching device, teaching resource. Right. So, like, and everyone, everyone has games that that are dear to their heart, or yeah. that they remember, right, or that and that they think that they can pass on to other people and try to uh, and kind of spark that kind of interest in. Like I'll give you an example for me. I remember being absolutely blown away and amazed when I discovered Boggle. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember. I, I remember where I was. How uh, old were you? How old were you? I would have been. I would have been six. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember this this guy's house I was at, and the the mom brought it out, and there was this this plastic cube, and there was these things with letters on it, and then, you know. She shook it up, and then it was like, okay, find as many words as you can. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, 
like I know this yeah. and I know this like it was it was amazing to mm-hmm. me right mm-hmm. and I didn't know it at the time right no one told me hey you're practicing your vocabulary yeah but boy oh boy did I love that you know there's actually I have the same as, as you're sharing Boggle like a different age for me I, I wasn't six but I was a I was a mid-stage uh, adopter of, of Catan a decade ago and I remember playing once and thinking, oh yeah, this is this is neat, this is cool. And then I remember after playing our eighth game straight, thinking like, okay, like there's there's really something to this. Like this is this is a riot. But piecing together, okay, well, why are certain placements uh, not ideal for me? Uh, and and coming to the realization that hey, you know what, like dice value really really matters here. There's a whole theoretical underpinning to placement and supply and demand and and, and yeah. uh, resource resource distribution and and disparity that there there's a whole other angle here that I wouldn't have known necessarily in the moment that hey I'm I'm teaching or relearning uh, the the value of, of uh, dice rolling but like holy heck if I'm not going to take this into my classroom and, and apply this and use this as a, a lesson in theoretical and, and, and experimental probability, um, it, it was a, a key takeaway. Like I remember the specific night. I remember yeah. where you're sitting. There's a, there's a there's an importance and a significance to that. So I, I completely I, I completely see where you're coming from. The power of games, right? And like Yahtzee is another example for me. Yeah. And if you're a teacher, like I don't think you could have a much more versatile resource than a big tub full of dice. Mm-hmm. You can do amazing things with dice and imagination, mm-hmm. right? And that's essentially what you're talking about with Catan. Like, I mean, Catan essentially is about dice and probability, but you're you're yeah. thinking about it in terms like you're enriching that game with the problem solving you're doing, and the extra work that you're doing. That's that's the power of games. Yeah, and that has nothing to do with game based learning. That has everything to do with the game itself. With the game itself. So for me, there's these three levels. There's gamification, which for me is kind of the lowest level, maybe a time and a place. Yeah, like very, very limited, but very limited to yeah, what it yeah, can yeah. accomplish. Yeah, there's uh, the pedagogy part of it, which is game-based learning, right? Right, and then there's games yeah. themselves, and all three of those things have a, a play, a place, and a role, and a value. And you just have to like I think for everyone they can find themselves somewhere along that continuum, back and forth, depending on what they're comfortable with. So, okay, I, I'm I'm zagging here a little bit perhaps but what is that like I know you're you're a school administrator now but I, I know because of the role you have and, and what you try to do in the school like you're still leveraging games it's 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 a, a fixture in your in your building uh, what when, when you're thinking about when you're thinking about solutions or you're thinking about your classroom are you are you starting with a game and thinking oh this would have a great application here or are you thinking oh here's a problem I'm having here's a fantastic game that I can use to uh, address that problem or address that learning opportunity. How, what, what does that actually look like? Or is it is it a bit of both? Or I think it depends on your, your where you're at in school, your level in terms of what your perspective is. For, mm-hmm. for me, um, I mean, that leads me to what, uh, something that we talked about before, right? this idea of Games Club, which I've, I've run, obviously not during the pandemic. Yeah. But Games Club at uh, St. Martha runs every lunch hour Mm -hmm. all year long, Mm -hmm. and it it averages between 70 and 100 kids. And to give you some kind of context there, that's about a third. That's a not insignificant number in your building. Yeah, that's a a lot of kids. It's a crazy amount of kids. That's great, right? So when I was thinking about games for Games Club, what Mm -hmm. I wanted to avoid, Mm -hmm. because what we were trying to avoid on the yard was conflict. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to avoid conflict in games, you want to select games that are cooperative in nature. And that's a bit of a shift and a a really good one, I think, in the last 20 years, right, is that you have games like uh, Forbidden Island that where everybody wins together or nobody wins. Like that's super... Coincidentally, the one we're playing at home uh, was Pandemic Legacy and we've shelved (laughs) that one since, since last March. I'm not... No joke. It's a... Art imitates life sometimes, but uh, so I can continue on. But that, but that is like that was a conscious design choice for yeah. us. Was if we populate a space with games mm-hmm. that are cooperative in nature, yeah, you know, do we see different outcomes from those students, yeah, 
who maybe struggle with social interactions? And mm -hmm. the answer was yes, right? Incredibly yes. In fact, uh, those kids tend to crave you know more difficult games with higher levels of complexity mm -hmm. as they as they play and when they play games that are competitive in nature, mm -hmm. they have a social framework to be able to solve those challenges right. with, without resorting to, I don't want to say inappropriate, but essentially like without, like without getting, like freaking out and like, you know, it doesn't <laughs> resort, the, there's no the violence. Table and getting out of there, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and here's an example of, of that is that um, like, you can pick a, even a competitive game that, that undermines itself by being funny mm -hmm. so exploding kittens is a great example yeah, right yeah Ess i've seen that in your in your school yeah like the kids the game is hilarious they love looking at the art of the cards and the funny names mm -hmm. and essentially the game is 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 to be the last person in right everyone else has to lose for you to win right but the way that everyone else loses is so hilarious right that everybody is generally everyone, everyone's kind of happy with it at the end, right? right so, right, yeah. so those for me were priority games for Games Club because that that was consciously something that I wanted to do, right? But there's also like lots of other games that had uh, academic uh, value that we also sprinkled in there because there are, there are kids that want to play those kind of games. They want to play Battleship and they they want to win. And they, mm -hmm. they have a strategy, and that's important to them. Right. Great. Okay. Right. Yeah. Or they want to play. Uh, they want to play cards, like normal cards, cribbage, or whatever else, and they want to be able to like, and that's important to them, and that's okay too, right? We try to make it a as wide a spectrum as possible, and what I tried to do is model playing those games for kids so that they could see it. Mm -hmm. And my dream is, and we haven't gotten there yet because of the pandemic, mostly, was to create this kind of army of kids that I call game masters. Right. Who essentially would, and here's maybe me gamifying games. Yeah, careful. Was, was that, well, because I, I want them, because some games are, are pretty complex. Right. Right. Like Catan, for example, is a simple in concept, yeah. difficult in execution. It's, it's like Euchre, right? Yes. Like it's, can you learn to play pretty quickly? Yes. But it, it, there's, a, there's a layer of complexity beyond that, and then a sort Correct. of a, a limit, I would say. But. So what kind of person would you want teaching you to play Catan? Mm -hmm. You want someone that, that opens up enough of the complexities that you can develop as a player, as opposed to just that you do this, you do this, you do this, right? Yeah, of course. So my vision is to have this group of games masters from kindergarten, seriously, kindergarten, all the way up to grade eight, right. who have different levels in terms of the games that they play, right. and to level the game so that... If you're looking to play, for example, Azul, which is a, uh, you know, in my thinking, is a level six game, mm -hmm. right? You look for a level six games master who's there to help you, and you say, "Hey, I need to play this game," and they say, "Well, I'm a level six game master let's for sure. This. Yeah, let's, let's do get it going. this, yeah. right?" And, let, <laughs> and right, like that. So essentially, my role is to sit there and just enjoy it, mm -hmm. all of the deliciousness that the kids well, I've are always, serving. There's, there's a, the expression like, "Why." Why do what your students can do for you? And part of that is self-serving, but there's a there's a there's an intrinsically motivated uh, student in there who's who wants nothing more than to help somebody out, right? Like there's a, there's there's much more power in that transfer in that teaching moment than it is in you. So totally. uh, while that's saving you time, the much deeper connection there is is hey, you know what? Like I'm 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 having kids interacting with each other in that positive way. I, it, you're reminding me. You talked about like the competition or the maybe the absence of it. I had a I had run a D and D club out of my out of my classroom for a few years, and initially it started because not every not every kid in your classroom is wanting to shoot hoops or wanting to play volleyball or wanting to engage in sports. And I thought like, hey, you know what? Like, there's not a lot of not a lot of opportunity for the the gamer or uh, the the person who's interested in. And yeah, you know what? Like. Uh, Social skill development is probably something we could work on collectively too, and and like wouldn't you know it? There's there's a a tremendous capacity when when you bake in when you bake in necessary uh, cooperation, and when you have someone like myself who's able to reward and punish uh, the absence or the, the the proper cooperation. There's a, a it it really quickly turned into something that I wasn't even running anymore. I, I after our first campaign I wasn't the DM anymore I was able to cede that to 
uh, another student and after school club was them running it themselves in a, in a self-sufficient way, like a really beautiful, yeah. brilliant, creative endeavor, right? It's a, I, I, I'm picking up what you're laying down. It, it, it makes, it makes sense. I, I, I think the ability to, I hadn't thought about like the, uh, the GM or the, 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 the trainer model you'd spoken to. It's a, it makes a lot of sense to me. Do you, do you ever have issues with like accountability and, and maybe as a club it's a little bit different but in a classroom or in a school like just generally speaking do you ever have problems with accountability or students maybe not like not that you're looking for a desired outcome all the time mm-hmm. right like sometimes you, you put them in the situation and you see what positivity comes from them. but have you ever dealt with issues where things necessarily aren't uh, going as you would anticipate or as you would hope for? Like, how, What do you do in those moments if you do? So part of my teaching background mm-hmm. when I was with Limestone was I taught um, the Challenge Program, which was an accelerated program for students in grade 7 and 8. Yeah. Um, and what uh, most of that program was delivered in a project-based way. Mm-hmm. So what I learned from that and what I what I find translates into gaming is that um, you have to you have to to figure out what level of chaos you are comfortable you're comfortable (laughs) right so when you uh, and for me the level is pretty high but (laughs) you're the the chaotic neutral character on the (laughs) I hope I'm not insane chaotic neutral is like insane no morals right Uh, well well, neutral uh, I was more lawful good yeah good I could be sometimes yeah yeah Um, fine sure (laughs) but the Uh, Like with those projects, what I found was that at first I was scared every day at school, right? Like I had no idea what the kids were going to come up with Mm -hmm. and I felt I had to have all of the answers. Mm -hmm. And when I didn't have the answers, it was a source of incredible stress for me. And that that was a pedagogical piece that I had inherited from my schooling yeah. that I've learned to let go and it's one that I encourage in my teachers is that um, we talked about being learners we're all learners is that you need to accept the fact that you're a learner too yeah. and there's lots of stuff that you don't know and that's okay because it's really cool you yeah. get to learn about all this stuff so in challenge one thing that I, I learned to be really comfortable with was um, starting something and not knowing where it was going to go yeah or, or what we were going to learn about. Right. <clears throat> and I would have a core set of kind of understandings that I wanted to get to. And those I was laser focused on in terms of I need to be able to assess this and this. Mm-hmm. But everything else was up for grabs. Right. Everything else was up for grabs. And that was, f- for my kids, that was incredible. They yeah. loved it. Like, we talked about, um, for example, we read Julius Caesar. And then the kids, for some reason in this class, were fixated on the Globe Theater. Right. What it looked like, how big it was, who fit in it. And I was like, well, I don't know. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then they created a, a full-size model of it out of popsicle sticks. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. And they were so proud of it. And they knew so much about it. And right. they taught me so much. Right. Now, translate that to games, right? Like, you, especially in uh, open-world games or games where the, uh, the outcome is... <laughs> It, like there is no real set outcome right. you have to determine what it is mm-hmm. like you're not going to be able to determine what that is mm-hmm. and you, you have to be okay with that but that's not your only option like right. for some people like you and me probably like D&D is, is super fun because of that unknown Right. for some people that's incredibly scary so what I say is that depending on the games that you choose you're going to find that you can either limit or open the number of possibilities and that's the key is being able to find those games and understand which ones fit with your practice I wonder I wonder about crossover territory into uh, like an inquiry based learning model it, that's it's, you, it's when exactly you're, like it when you're speaking when, you, when you've been you've been speaking to me like I've had those moments and again I, I don't have uh, as, as many years in uh, as you do I, I don't have as many experiences old, but yes, I've I been know. I'm not saying that I'm it's saying it's true though I I, <laughs> I, I do know there have been times in my career where you start with an idea and like you said you don't really know where you're going you yeah. have some potentially desired outcomes or, or like okay like this this might be 
And then a week later, two weeks later, you've got a sewing uh, a sewing machine in a corner. You got power tools ripping in another corner. You got just and and the sense of oh my goodness, like what 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 hath I wrought on yes. on this classroom? And then you realize that that was those were some of the most magical moments in in your year, right? It's uh, it's it's definitely something that I've I, I think I'm 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 getting there. You you have to get away from that. I want to say the type A, but that that control that you speak control, of, like yeah. your ability, your ability to let go, and your ability to trust in your students who are passionate about what it is they're doing, and uh, being able to let them go and then bring them back and and hear and consolidate, and it's it's like one of the most precious feelings I think you can have in a classroom or in a school. So I, I'd be really interested in in furthering that relationship between games and, and IBL. Um, yeah. I would encourage it where, where it's best for teachers that are just starting out is, yeah. is find a subject that you feel comfortable in and strong in. Yeah. Right. For most people it's literacy, at least in elementary. Right. Right. So if you can, if you can start there yeah. and build something around that and learn to build a, a thicker skin around the uncertainty, right. Then you're more apt to be able to take the same risk in math or social sciences or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you the rewards are phenomenal. It's it's worth the risk. I remember I remember structuring, and again, I, I, I'm talking to you. I, I want to hear from you. I don't just want to blab on about myself. It's not that's not the point. I do recall. You. I do. Yeah, it's my podcast. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah for thanks. Sure. Thanks. Uh, I remember there. I, I, I had uh, I had looked at some geometry and spatial sense, and I was trying to. I had been in the same room for a few years. I had some of the students for a few years. It was our fourth year. Uh, together some of them um, being in a smaller school and, and thinking like okay we, we need to think a little creatively so we had modified a D&D campaign put everybody into teams I adjusted all the mechanics simplified things and all of their movement was going to be based on uh, translations uh, reflections rotations and all the all the attacks all the mechanics and what led with them fighting uh, this this big bad evil dude uh, for like a, an afternoon of, of board games on a Friday afternoon which they would earn turned into like some of my most quiet students like getting right up there in the center of things the math application and the math learning was, was awesome but it was the, the collaboration and the creativity and the, the audibles that they're calling uh, and all the, the crazy antics that come from that that really like while there's value and there's, there's, a, there's some hard curriculum objectives that I'm reaching Five years from now, no student is going to be talking about what they had actually learned in in terms of the math, right? They're going to be speaking to the experience of of, of that. So it, it, uh, it you hit on something really important, right? Is that I mean, a lot of the TED talks, and I can I can give them to all you in a document, right? Mm-hmm. It, they talk about this idea that, and I, which I think we agree with, is that kids today are going to face lots of huge challenges. Mm-hmm. That we don't have the answers to. That we aren't prepared for. Yeah. Yes, and that they need to be able to think differently and think collaboratively to be able to solve. Mm-hmm. And games are a really authentic, really amazing way to teach kids how to build teams, how to share skills, how to lose sometimes. Right? Like uh, you, yeah. you had talked about the collaboration, or the cooperation. But yep. sometimes on that Friday, on that board game Friday, whenever that runs. We'll break up the risk board, and yeah, uh, kid's gonna get trounced. But how do you accept defeat, right? Like, how do you how do you embrace that? Because that's a really hard thing for for kids to learn. Well, right? I mean, we talked about a, di- a different topic, and we won't go into it today. The idea of making, right? But right. designing is important in in making, right? And and the idea of iteration, and that we learn from failure. Yeah. And I think anyone that's in the teaching field nowadays will will know that it's. It is super high stakes from the kid's perspective and from the parent's perspective in that you, you can't fail. Like there is isn't there is no failure. Like there is yeah. only like super success. And if it's not super success, yeah. it is like, oh my gosh, it is the end of the world. Like we've created, we've created a like generations of kids who struggle with the idea of trying something, mm-hmm. failing epically. <laughs> Right, yeah. and and dusting themselves off, and saying that was awesome, yeah. and doing it again, mm-hmm. right, and learning from this, it, yeah. right, yeah, because yeah. 
they do, they feel that they cannot take that risk. Mm-hmm. And like epic failure is something that every teacher should be intimately, uh, uh, you know, acquainted with. In and tune with. <laughs> like one of the things you asked me was about like, did, have you ever had any fails? Because I often listen to things like this, and I, I say these people are amazing. Yeah. You know, I don't have any like, I could never do that stuff. Right. And you know, like I wish that I was that competent at everything. Like, mm-hmm. and I've epically failed. I had a whole list. Mm-hmm. I'll, I can go through some of them of my epic fails in game-based learning because that's part of it, and that's okay, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I remember I thought it would be great if I taught my grade seven, eight students bridge, <laughs> like super complicated math, right, 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 incredible communication required in that game. Right. Right? Focus. Like, there's so many good things about it, right? right. Like, oh. And then I brought this gentleman in from the local bridge club. And by the way, he, a wonderful guy. Mm-hmm. Um, donated his time. Like, it was, it was a good experience for me. And I learned a few things. The first is that being an expert has nothing to do with being a teacher. <laughs> really important. <laughs> really important to know. Yeah. And the second thing was is that they hated bridge. Right. They hated bridge. <laughs> Kids these days, not picking up bridge. Right. Yeah. They hated it. And like it but I was like, it's a game. Yeah. Right? It's cards. Like yeah. it should be fun. You right? threw it at the wall, you saw if it stuck. It uh, did not. It did not stick. Yeah. And it, but I stuck with it for a year, right? So yeah. like those kids had bridge for a couple hours once a week, every week. And it uh, it did not go well, yeah. and that's okay. Lesson learned. I learned yeah. a lot of stuff from that. Yeah, yeah. Right. I also uh, one year I decided that I was going to create a stock game. Like, yeah. What a what a great idea, right? Like, sorry, this is this is a bit not pre-internet because yeah. I'm not that old, but it was pre kind of like software that manages all yeah, this stuff yeah. for me. I was like, let's do this this challenge, where we actually create portfolios with a certain amount of money. Right. We see who can generate the most revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I had no way to track this information. Uh, yeah, I, now I was going to say now there are all kinds of yes. free portfolio managers. At the time, and, right, yeah. I was like, pick your stock. So, it, like, they didn't have any idea what they were investing in. I didn't have an idea what they were investing. In. I didn't have. I didn't have the time to track mm-hmm. all of their trades and bets and all the rest of it. Right. And it went horribly wrong, right? Sign so they're like, I made this trade, and if this is up, you yeah. reflect that in the My whole floor, people are just screaming at each a, other with paper in hand. It was <laughs> awful. It was awful, right? I, it was a horrible mistake. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, again, you kind of learn where your abilities and comfort level are. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, another one where I think that I failed the kids uh, was that, you know, we were reading Lord of the Rings, and the kids loved it. Lo- yeah. Like, love, love, loved it. So right. I thought I'd gamify certain elements of it. Right. Right? But I, the idea was that I was really wanting to get, especially in Two Towers, I was getting, wanting to get to this idea of industrialization. Okay. Right? We're really going off topic. <laughs> right? No, I don't think we are. I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say we were LARPing or something. Like, <laughs> we were I really wanted and, to get to this idea uh, of industrialization my best as opposed to the, yeah. the dwarves, elves, orcs, what that meant, how it would connect to the real world. Right? Sure. I thought, like, this is... This is powerful this is stuff. Be righteous. This yeah. is great, right? <laughs> so, like, they were they were into it. They were like, "Yes, let's let's Lord <laughs> of the Rings all day this. long." <laughs> so I'd give them like, like we started to learn Elvish together. Yeah, I give them like a like really super hard quizzes about like crazy elements, like how many wizards <laughs> are there in the Lord of the Rings? Do you know how many wizards are in Lord of the Rings? Ah. Uh. I you can't can only name that. three right now. Yes, but you'd be wrong because yeah. they're because they're like hundreds. If you if you if you delve into the arcana around it, I'm not reading. This I believe there are. Well, I believe that no, no, no. It's it's listed actually in Lord of the Rings. It had to be listed in Lord of the Rings because by the way, they held me accountable, right? Yeah. I can only list things. I can only ask things that were covered in the Lord in of the, the Rings. Book. Yeah, yeah. But what I found out was that, and they loved it, and we had a great time. In fact, I have a game board a kid made me a Lord of the Rings game that's actually framed downstairs that I've always kept from them. Right. But um, they were focused on kind of disconnected facts because they were fascinated by the world and the game. Right. But it didn't actually translate to deeper learning about right. the things that I was talking about. Yeah. So, like, I've had all kinds of fails yeah. about games and gaming. and Does that... 
so that like the disconnect i i'm guilty of that too i I, i've been there like you you have the fantastic idea things don't necessarily land in the way that you do and then you're trying to you're, you're trying to find those links or you're like yeah those linkages they never really happen they're they aren't as fruitful as i thought they would be do you have you ever been in a spot where you've had to like game-based learning isn't isn't necessarily reflective of like the we we have the trope about like conventional conventional learning or like what that looks like in a classroom and, and just it, it's it's kind of a fact a lot of folks everybody everybody sees themselves as as like the expert student or the expert in in education to a degree because everybody goes through school right yeah. so I, I i know that something that i've had to counter uh or justify is why a classroom looks a certain way and why that might not align with maybe a more conventional is that something you've ever encountered or, or something you would like how would you how would you respond uh in a situation like that because i i know how i handle things but i i appreciate the perspective in terms of the like what's in a classroom or just yeah. how it functions the i i'm thinking i'm thinking the operation i'm thinking the the look i'm thinking the whole the whole picture you have the parent or you have the administrator yep. or you have the okay what what's going on here like, so my my general philosophy around that is that and, and by the way when i was teaching challenge in particular those those were generally uh, like high high achieving kids they wanted yeah. super success sure. and their parents also wanted super success and that probably looked a certain way in their mind right like yes. from the outset like at, at the at the beginning of this uh, relationship so the discussions were at that point for me if the kid is happy mm-hmm. and engaged and can communicate their learning yeah then what you generally find is that the parents are happy and supportive of whatever tangent you want to go on right and for me that is that is that's the sweet spot that's all you need right yeah right so those kids you know they and, and, and I, I mentioned this about games earlier I think in my notes is that um, if you if you're a parent and mm-hmm. your kid comes home and you say hey Johnny what did you learn today at school right and they're generally the answer is going to be nothing nothing right or it's going to be uh, (laughs) right well what did you do (laughs) well we did some math and we did some language right and they're like well what did you do oh fractions or whatever like it's essentially it's a um, call and respond kind of conversation it's not really a conversation it is request for information it's a check in providing information yeah okay but it doesn't the the punch clock yes it doesn't grow (laughs) into anything yeah but Everybody, everybody has uh, like access to games right. in terms of their memory and history. So if you ask your kid, you know, like, hey, you know, like, what did you do in the World Peace game today? Right. Well, you're going to, I guarantee you're going to have a way more interesting discussion, mm-hmm. right? Because they're going to say, well, you know, we had to, we had to figure out how we were going to deal with this incursion from Efstrom, and we had this issue over here with uh, with oil deposits, right? Like, right, right, right. like that leads for me to conversation, which is connection between people, and that is again, that's where you want to go with games. So, I, mm-hmm. that's exciting to me, and I think that if you do that in a classroom, you're going to find you're going to have less pushback and less. Um, kind of uh, questions from parents because they're going to say hey I know what my kid is learning about and, mm-hmm. and they're engaged and they're happy and I support that and yeah. that's that's great and so well I guess like that that makes sense like obviously like real conversation like parents are going to be happy if they're if their kids are happy if their kids are learning their kids are able to share this articulate this have you ever had experiences where you have students who just maybe aren't fired up by the prospect or is that a well that happens all the time every time right it happens every time not all the time it happens every time because it's like the subjects that we teach right Mm -hmm. like you're going to find for every subject you're going to have a certain percentage that are excited about it you're going to have some that are disengaged by it right Mm -hmm. you're going to have a game where the kids are going to say well I'm not interested in this at all that's okay yeah right The, the key is having enough options and enough things going on that that's never essentially the only way that they're learning. Probably uh, another justification so as to not have that pendulum swinging too far any one direction, yeah. right? That, that, that makes sense to me. That, Mark, I've, I've, I feel like I've addressed uh, 
uh, all kinds of things or, or learned a whole bunch of things just from this conversation, even if it's just in the the language that I'm using uh, with regard to games and game-based learning. So uh, I appreciate that. Just games, period. Just games, just games, straight games. What uh, what do you got on the go right now? Like, do you, you, you play, sorry, are you playing at home? Do you play anything at home right now or what's a... Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, uh, my daughter bought herself a Switch. For, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about right dipping there. in. I'm thinking about dipping into uh, the Switch game, maybe a little Mario Kart. I have a I have a Mario Kart Mario save Kart. file on my Wii that a friend and I have been working on. Or sorry, not Mario Kart, Super Mario World, because uh, we we bested Mario yes. Kart. But I've been working on that for uh, since 2010, trying to get all the gold coins. It's it's been a since save file. <laughs> I'm not joking. Every <laughs> once in a while, we get together a, and we try and a decade. We try and pick up a couple more star coins. I, I I might venture into the Switch world. So that's uh, you see I as I after grade seven, which was kind of for me the golden years of D and D. Yeah. When I had a, a a peer group that was into that and that I had it like physically accessible. Mm-hmm. Since that point, uh, role playing in particular has become like a solitary event for me because. I don't have that group of people that want to do it. Right. So the first kind of aha moment for me was in my master's year when the first uh, Elder Scrolls came out. I just downloaded Morrowind. Uh, it's, it's the second one. Morrowind's the second. Sorry. One. I, well, sorry. I just it related. I, I just downloaded Mor- Morrowind because it's one that I was I wasn't really old enough until the Oblivion. Oh, Daggerfall's second so. one. Yeah. But you're right. Morrowind's good. But. Uh, yeah, I've got that on the Xbox to finally rip through because I've been... I've got Skyrim the, on that, right? Yeah, so like, played through a few times. So she she bought it, has now taken it to university. Yeah. And I've been working through Skyrim, and there's actually such there's such a sense of loss for me because I'm just about at the end Yeah. that I haven't picked it up in three weeks. The, sorry, the end of the main story or the end of like completion because the there's a... Yes. There's like 15. You can beat the main storyline, and it's 10 or 15 percent of the. Oh no, no, I've. I, yeah. I'm through the. I'm down the rabbit hole. I've. Yes. I, I'm through all the guilds. I'm through yep. all the. Yep. And the D D. You mentioned like grade seven. Like for me, I. I had. I was like. I had maybe one foot in the world, but I didn't actually really get into things. I was a late adopter. It was my my brother who had been in my ear for a few years. He was like. You gotta try this. You gotta jump in. Like let me DM. Let me. And I thought Matt. Like there's no way I'm not. I'm not doing that. Like I'm in the back of my mind, like I'm too cool or I'm too, I said like, okay, fine. We're going to give this a go. I'm going to give it a shot. And after the first session, I was like, Matt, like we're doing this again tomorrow. Like you're coming over. Buddies are coming by. Like I'm, I'm in now. This, this is probably four or five years ago now, but it's just, there's a power. And I think we're in a day and age now where it's not something like you talk about the, the grade seven student getting older and being too cool for that. Like, that's not necessarily the way things are, yeah, are anymore, right? So I'm, I'm, I am know the feeling you're speaking to in, in the world of Skyrim, and I'm looking forward. I can't, I can't remember what the next... There's there's online. Is Elder Scrolls Online. Well, there's there's a new online, one coming. Yeah. Um, there's a new one coming. I don't know what the timeline is there, but I'll probably sink a couple hundred hours into that when that... I go back, like, on the iPad. Like, uh, if you remember Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Neverwinter Nights... Right, those are like Icewind Dale. Mm-hmm. Those are fantastic. Like they're uh, Temple of Elemental Evil. Yeah, like those are all really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Like, and I, f- I find myself into those because, and that's actually what drew, drew me to Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. Was that Gloomhaven is essentially a game, a D and D type game that doesn't require the dungeon master because I desperately did. I've done it lots. Yeah. I didn't want to. I don't be, enjoy DMing as much as I enjoy. I want to be a player. I want yeah. to be in the game with other people. Yeah. And Gloomhaven allows you to be in the game with other people without mm-hmm. a DM. Yeah, it sounds brilliant. Right. I've had a, I have a friend who's playing too, and he says that the the depth uh, is, it's is crazy. right where it needs to be, and there's everything provided for you, and it's just it's, the amount of of um, consequence for choices you make. Yeah, is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, like you pick up a pebble. And it could be a, a yeah, big deal, it's a right? It's kind of yeah. <laughs> crazy, right? Like yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's amazing for me. Like I I, I really uh, I really appreciate. It. it connects me to my youth. It connects right. me in a lot. So of there's ways. a nostalgia factor, but also a like it just a uh, but it's a also, depth that's appealing as a as a grown up. Well, this whole idea of epic failing, right? Like right. so, like in Skyrim, right? Like how many times have I died? lot i've never hundreds thousands no. probably yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah yeah if you go online and look 
Like people will post all of their epic fails in Skyrim, right? All yeah. the different ways that they've managed yeah, to die. Getting a, yeah. Like for me, that that's delightful because it speaks to what we're talking about about being able to fail and learning from it. And that's no. one of those benefits of games is that there is no actual risk yeah. in failing, mm-hmm. and that's a really important lesson to learn. Right? I'll tell you, I don't know if you, I don't know if you are doing any board gaming at home. What we, what we have on the go right now, probably weekly. Uh, terraforming Mars. I don't know if you have you heard I've seen of it, but I it's uh, it's it's brilliant. It's just really, really. It's a uh, it's obviously about terraforming Mars, but you do it as a as a everybody gets a different corporation which has different perks. So you accrue points. Uh, it's a lot like Puerto Rico if you've played Puerto yeah. Rico in in that sense. Like there are two different there are two different uh, collections. Like there's a credit collection, but there there's actual like point accruing. Um, so you're raising the oxygen, you're raising the temperature, and you're you're developing oceans on the surface of Mars, which are your actual points. But all of you have different advantages and different perks. So you see, like the the replay value, we've been playing it for like eight months straight now, like at least once a week. It's it's so so great. Uh, it, it's definitely worth uh, uh, looking at and a, and a purchase. But that's we've been down the we've been down the rabbit hole on that one for a bit. I have a really bad habit of. I don't know if you have this too, but like like a, a Skyrim, for me it's right now it's No Man's Sky. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's a procedurally generated universe. So you're just this spacefaring traveler and you're exploring the universe forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Like I'll get down a rabbit hole of that for however many dozens of hours. But it's the same with board games. I'm gonna play something 300 times and then I'm gonna be like, ah, yeah, okay, like on to the next. It's a, I have a bad habit of consuming something and make it, making it all consuming until I have the theory the game theory behind it down or the the the, the underpinning uh, but strategy is, but isn't that a, what you'd want to to give to your kids if they're trying to learn about fractions absolutely or about, right? I, I want I want students to be obsessing over something yes. until they've uh, approached that mastery right so that's absolutely like I, I think about for me like in my room it, it's I have games, but I'm starting to look at them. I, I guess I asked you a little earlier about like whether you consider the problem and then the game that fits, or the game and then the problem that comes. And I think there's just for for me, I like having that like that cache of stuff and thinking like, okay, like when it's time, this is something I'm gonna I'm gonna break out break out and have as that option. Maybe kids don't pick it up. Maybe they're not into it. But at least we're gonna we're gonna give that a shot. I I uh, and I've seen it. It's it's a really brilliant thing when things are popping and kids are hooting and hollering in your room. And like really simple. Like if you're thinking about games in your classroom, mm-hmm. things like Connect Four. Yeah. Right. Things um, things like Battleship, um, even just simple cards, Snakes and Ladders, um, like those kind of games uh, develop s- skills. Yeah. Right. And kids find them generally fun. And you don't have to put a lot of time or effort into thinking about. Like you have to teach them to them, obviously. Yeah. If they don't know. Mm-hmm. But. Those are those are great games. They're gonna build foundational skills without you saying like, oh, okay, you know, like a uh, checklist, checklist, checklist. As you right? play, our success criteria are going to <laughs> right, yeah, right, because it's you, it's you kill the game. As it's as baked. You do that, yeah, right? okay, I'm done. Yeah, right in the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's for example there's a game called Prime Climb which uh, I've done a lot I've with. Heard right? of that one? Yeah. So essentially, it's a game that's uh, it's supported by Mensa. It's, it's it's really cool. Essentially, the the game is the game board is a Fibonacci sequence. Okay. And you roll two dice, and mm-hmm. essentially you, you, based on the dice and the number that you're sitting on, you get to make certain moves using any mathematical, using multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to get your piece is to the center. Mm-hmm. And if you get both your pieces, it's kind of like trouble in that if you land on someone else's piece, you, you send them back, back to the beginning. Yeah. Like very, very, as a child. very simple concept, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But essentially, you're getting kids to... Like essentially do bed mass yeah. at really young age without saying we're going to practice. Our, is, you're going right? to play this and you're going to dig it so much and bed mass will be because like, they think about they're thinking about how they can land on their yeah. friend's piece and it's and organic. they're doing all the hard not, work right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ads, try, Why do you keep winning? Why does this one person keep winning? I'm going to do what I can to right. Uh, yeah, it, it makes complete it makes games complete. like that that you can always have in your cupboard mm-hmm. that are accessible. And for, for me, I teach those games, and I did that with Prime Climb and some of the other ones, mm-hmm. as a class. I went in and said, hey, we're going to play this game today. This is how we play it. We're going to play it together, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to leave it with you. Right. 
and you can play it whenever you want. Right. Right? Uh, and then it also, that drew them into Games Club too, right? Because they knew how to yeah. play some of the games. So mm-hmm. there's, you can do that. And that is, at, at its simplest level, those are really easy ways to build literacy and numeracy skills, right? Mm-hmm. And problem solving if you use, uh, and collaboration if you use things like Forbidden Island, mm-hmm. right? Super easy. Mm-hmm. If you did nothing else, that would be incredibly valuable in your classroom, right? If you want to get more complicated, then you can start to build on that and think about, well, what are the benefits of this game? How do they encourage, how do they support specific skills? How do they, whether they're social or math or literacy or whatever, how can I do that? Well, sometimes they may apply really well and you can build them into something and that's where you get a game-based system, right? So mm-hmm. there's, University of Waterloo has a really good, they have an institute about game-based learning. Yeah, okay. And there's all kinds of links on there with research, there's a, there's one for a game they created around sustainable living called Illuminate, mm-hmm. which is all web based. You don't have to do anything, and the kids would figure it out in about thirty seconds. Um, it's fun. It teaches them about the costs and the benefits of doing certain, making certain choices in life. Right. As a government. Right. So, great game. Like awesome. I didn't create that game. Yeah. Right. And I and I didn't. Uh, you know, I didn't build it as part of a curriculum, but I can easily see ways where I can so incorporate easy. that into what it is that I'm doing, right? Yeah. And for me, that is the next level of game-based learning, okay? So I found something that's kind of tangentially connected to this curriculum. Mm-hmm. I can use that, and I'm going to get certain information out of it. Great, mm-hmm. right? And then the next level is, is, is well, essentially what we're talking about is what our intermediate teachers have seen with Trevor McKenzie, right, on inquiry, is that we've gone really scripted, less scripted, and now we get into the, the part I love, the, the chaos part. With, right? with comfort, right? Like that's, that's something. Yes. And I, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you if you had advice for folks who are thinking, oh yeah, I, I might, I've listened. I, I, I might want to tack on or try out a couple of games. And, and we've spoken to like your personality or your background, but that's, that's really good advice. Like it's, it's not a, I was going to ask what advice you would have, but you're, you're sort of providing it right now. Like it's, it's a, it's not something that you have to jump just like with with inquiry based learning, you, you don't need to jump into the deep end and and, and flounder and, and think like, oh my goodness, like this is this is what this is supposed to feel like. It's it's really not. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to start like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> why why is this room so small? <laughs> like the nice thing about games is that if I was going to recommend a resource, it would be like um, Game Board uh, Geeks, right? So the, the the site that has Board Game Geek, yeah, Board Game oh, Geek. Oh, I've been there. Terraform and Mars, yes, and, and Legacy. They're two. They're right? they're up there. Yeah. So you, Board Game Geek has a list of all pretty much every board game ever right. created no or about to be created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It rates them all. Yeah. It gives uh, information spent, on them. I spent too much time there. Right. Yeah. yeah. But once you go there and you find something that you think might be useful, then if you there's a whole bunch of um, of people that actually on YouTube post things about how to play the game they play it through with you yeah and talk about the pluses and minuses yeah right like um, uh, Rado runs through is a good one um, oh gosh what are the other ones that I watch oh band versus meeple is a really good one right I no I'm not, I am not familiar with no the pun included is a good one. yeah and then the there, there's channels. for those of you who are old like me Will Wheaton actually has uh, if you've ever watched the tabletop I knew he was doing yeah I knew he was up to something which is which is incredible so you can actually watch people playing the game and they will like quite often it's instructional like this is what you do next yeah this is what you do next in some cases you're just watching people play the game which is crazily enough an odd kind of enjoyment that I get I wonder I people say like ah why uh, I can't believe like kids these days watch like gamers on Twitch like I can't believe they spend hour, and then I'm sinking thirty minutes casually into some guys playing a board game, and think like, okay, yeah, I, I understand to a degree, right? Like it's a if you ever if you ever wonder about the value of problem solving in a game like D and D, I strongly encourage you watch an episode of Critical Role, mm-hmm. or um, what's the other one? It's uh, it's Deborah Ann Mall from uh, Daredevil. It's uh, I have it written down here. It's uh, what the heck is it? Um, I'm going to forget. Relics and Rarities. Okay. So Relics and Rarities is actually um, a television. I think it's TBS or something that put it out, or TNT. Okay. Um, Critical Role is essentially an online thing where they. Post I'm familiar it. with Critical Role. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar. So Relics with. and Rarities is fantastic. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's, but essentially the same thing is you're watching people 
role play to see what it's like. And for me, I think that's really valuable for someone that maybe doesn't have any experience or exposure to what that looks like and why it could be a good thing. Like watching adults grapple with a a problem with limited information Uh and a diverse set of skills and trying to solve the problem and mm-hmm. watching them fail and watching them like succeed in like awesome ways it's yeah. great <laughs> yeah. right yeah. it's great yeah. so like that is that i would highly encourage if you're at all interested or wondering about that that's a good place to start because you can see what it, what it looks like mm-hmm. what what i think people need to know is that role playing games are generally much slower paced like you maybe feel like oh you've got to roll all this dice and have all these tables and everything else but generally speaking, like the last episode of Critical Role that I just watched, they grappled with one problem: opening a door for essentially an hour of the episode. I've so I've I've DM'd a little bit, like because my brother had wanted to play, like as part of our our session. So he would, he he's really good at it. He's so creative. He's a quick thinker. He's flexible. So like if we have a creative idea, he'll roll with that. I've tried that. I don't. I'm not as good as he is, admittedly. But there are times where I finish a session. And I'll say, like, okay, so we are 100 feet further down this tunnel than we were at the start of the session three hours ago. And, like, people have had, like, existential crises in here. There have been, like, (laughs) tremendous losses, tremendous gains. Like, it's it's an unbelievable... So, yeah, I I understand the pace. And that's something, like, I thought, like, yeah, you know what, though? We had... There's been a lot of fun and a lot of development here. So I'm okay with the pace the slow pace that you're and sometimes that pace is as molasses slow right like yeah. it's just a but that's what folks are focusing on like it's, it's all reflective of and something players. I do regularly is I call chapters mm-hmm. or I go online and that's I've got three games sitting here so and I look at what they have on offer that I haven't seen before mm-hmm. and I order a few copies of it mm-hmm. and I well Mancala is is like the, uh, do you know how to play or? I don't, but I so. know like part of our sips of this year okay. is around diversity, and it's diversity of resources in a lot of ways. So like games are are authentic to cultures as well, right? It's important to be able to thousands do. and thousands of years old and yes. on the other side of the planet. Yeah, it's, so it, I, a, it shames me that I don't know how to play it. It's it's great. Yeah, it's a, there's a there's an element again. I'll play folks, and then think like, why am I losing? Why have I lost four times in a row? <laughs> And then follow the moves and understand and, again, get into a little more of this. There's a, there's a depth of thinking, which for a game where you're, you're, plunking, you're plunking marbles or beads or whatever it is uh, into cups, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. So it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 see, I see them on call there and I thought, like, I, I, I've got to. Yeah. So I have a class set of those because I thought I need, I, I need to be more diverse in terms of the games that we offer. And I want... Yeah. I want kids like we want kids to see themselves in the school. Yeah, we want kids to see themselves in the games too that reflect uh, who they are, where they're from, mm-hmm. as much as possible. So that's a priority for me. Like the King Domino one is, uh, I have not yet cracked it. Right? Yeah, but, I haven't seen. But it's, is it like a Carcassonne? Or well, I don't know. Like but, but I wanted where we struggle in games club sometimes is that we get we get kindergartens in games club and they're super keen to be there. Yeah. But their access to what is actually there is somewhat limited. So right. I'm always on the hunt for games that are accessible to three, four, or five-year-olds. Right. Right? So, like, this one is apparently can go down quite low. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to mess around with that. And then the, the Dungeons & Dragons Adventure Begins essentially, apparently, is with pre-generated characters is a chance to teach kids yeah. how to be dungeon masters and yeah. characters in the game if they want to develop further mm-hmm. and that that entry level uh, experience is, is interesting to me so I don't know whether any of these will be throw to the wall we'll take, but we'll see what the, what the kids want to play right yeah 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 I dig it I, I, I think it's great uh, Mark thanks so much for taking the time today like I, I have learned a bunch I've taken the language away I've taken the stories away I, I think this was fantastic I think I really align with you strongly uh, on, on most of these fronts most of this so I'm, I'm glad I was able to, to learn a little bit from you today 
anything else you wanted to share or any, so any much words? We didn't touch on. I, I feel like we, we it's crazy because I look at the clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, but there's so many things we didn't talk about. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's nothing to stop us from doing this again. So uh, <laughs> well, what we'll, I will get that do, in. We'll get that in. Uh, not in writing, but uh, uh, for sure. What I will do is is create a document with links to all of this stuff for people so that. They can whether it's the TED Talks or whether it's University of Waterloo or mm-hmm. there's a there's a great game called Quandary, which is created by uh, by the United Nations, which teaches kids how to uh, problem solve yeah. um, and to, to deduce fact from fiction and opinion. Nice. Like there's so many things we haven't. Talked I was gonna about. I was gonna talk to you about a game called Philo. That's all. It's like a it's like a Pokemon. It's all a card based trading game, but it's all we based didn't talk on about magic either. That was a all whole based, period of my life. It's all based on. Uh, <sighs> uh, Biodiversity and and ecosystem really? interaction. It's it's all actually based on real plant and animal species, and it's it's quite cool. Uh, and it's a trading card game. So it's uh there are a few things there are a few things we could talk about. Maybe we save it. Maybe we maybe we save it for a next a follow up here a, a, a revisit. But I'm uh I'm conscious of time and I'm I'm conscious of uh, shepherd's that, pie that wicked shepherd's pie I'm hearing here. So or, hearing here I'm I'm smelling I'm smelling in the oven in the in the next room. So. Mark, I I appreciate your time today, and uh, thanks so much for uh, getting together to do this. Thanks. Good to have a talk. Well, I've got to say I really enjoyed that conversation with Mark. He's an informed educator who puts his beliefs and understanding into practice. And seeing his beliefs about game-based learning in school put into action, it's a real treat. Thanks again to Mark for joining for this episode. I'll leave you with a quote from George Bernard Shaw. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Thanks again for listening.